This is episode number 622 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the show. No matter where you are in the world, hope you're safe, hope you're staying indoors, hope you're staying fit, healthy, and of course, to keep our show sponsors happy, hope you're eating well. SmithStreetPelio.com is where you can order all your food if you live in the UAE. If you don't, sorry, we can't deliver to you, but you can hop onto the website and you can cook for yourself. Yes, you could order the ingredients online and you could cook in the comfort of your own home now that everyone has more time. SmithStreetPaleo.com or give them a shout. Hello at SmithStreetPaleo.com. They'd love to hear from you. Today's guest is a friend of mine, Shane Manning. Shane and I know each other from the insurance community here in the UAE. We often see each other out riding and coincidentally, Shane is one of the coaches in one of my nephew's rugby teams. So there's quite a big connection there. And just a few weeks ago, someone sent within a chat group that I'm in a video of a gentleman that was in hospital with coronavirus. And it was Shane. I was blown away when I saw it, seeing a friend of mine in the state that he was in. I'll link to that in the show notes. And we were chatting, Shane and I, back and forth through that time that he, he was in hospital. And I said to him, I said, mate, you've done a great job because he's all about the seriousness of this virus. I said, you've got to promise me one thing. Look at me trying to work him straight from the start. As soon as you're good to go, let's do a podcast on this. He was like, yes, mate, we have to because it's so serious. So I caught up with Shane. He had so much interesting stuff. He's so straightforward in how he talks. He doesn't mess with his words. He's not trying to keep anyone happy. He's just, I mean, he's on a crusade now really to help as many people as he can who are not taking this seriously. And also you'll see from the show, he's so mentally tough about it and in such a good headspace and just enjoying his life right now. Such a great example to us all. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a show with a friend of mine, Shane Manning, who has recently come out of hospital having beaten the coronavirus. Please enjoy it. Please listen to what he says. And please take all the necessary precautions so that you don't get it. Welcome back to another episode of the show. And as I was saying there, folks, in the introduction, this one I'm massively excited about. Shane, as I was saying, is a guy that I've seen out riding. We've chatted. He coaches my nephew's rugby so, mate, when I saw you in hospital with this big confession video, it's like, I've got corona. Holy shit, mate. It was wild. Talk us through it. Um, it was a pretty brutal few weeks, to be honest with you. Um, I don't ever want to go back down that hole again. It was fucking nasty beyond. It... Um, this thing's a mechanical beast and it, it really, really drags you into some deep, dark holes that um, are not nice. So, you know, it, it all started, as you said, you've, you've seen some of the social media stuff. I'd, and to, just to sort of double back, I put that, that Facebook video out originally. It was more that, look, here I am getting absolutely smoked by this thing. And there were still people sort of being told, yes, we're locked down or in Australia, in the UK, who were quite a few steps behind us here, who were still just going about their daily, daily business. And it was like, guys, look, I've got this thing and it's absolutely ruining me. So it is real. It is serious. And here's somebody, you know, now it, I just had to put it like a face to a name. Yeah. And that was the reason I did it. I didn't expect it to go to more than, you know, 100, 150 friends and family, whatever. 
and last look, it popped up on my phone before. It's had like 40,000 Facebook views or something like that. Far out. That's insane. So it, it is. It's, it's really done the lap. So it started out with, with just that feeling of, you know, like when you're just getting a cold or you're just feeling a bit average. Yeah. And that was on a Sunday afternoon and I embarrassingly crashed my mountain bike out at Hatter with the kids. <laughs> I thought, of this, honestly, there's a video somewhere. I'll send it to you so you can have a laugh. I literally tried to jump one of these things on the pump track and went straight off the edge, straight under my head. I got back home and I sort of sat in the afternoon. I think I feel a bit average. I wonder if that's my body just saying, look, you, you're not 22 anymore. You're 42. Wake up, you old bastard. <laughs> so got up the next day and I was cooked. It, it just, it had come from this cold-like symptom of a few hours to the next day I was flogged. I was heavily fluy. I was uh, fever, losing appetite, diarrhea. I sort of sat with that for two days, but you know, there was part of me saying, look, I haven't been anywhere travel-wise lately that, um, that was on the, the list of the, the countries, nor had I known I'd had any experience meeting anybody who had it. So I carried on, laid in bed, and then after sort of 48 hours, I was like, no, this is too much. Let's go to the doctor. Called them, said, look, you know, I haven't had any contact, but I've got these symptoms. They said, come on in. Had a mask on. On we went. They did a load of tests, but they didn't test me for coronavirus. It was because I hadn't ticked two of the boxes of had I met anybody or had I traveled to one of the listed countries, all they tested me for was influenza A and influenza B and whatever else. So test results came back from the clinic, you know, an hour or two later, the blood tests and stool samples and said, no, you're free to go. You've got no viral levels that we can pick up in the test. So effectively being saying, off you go, do what you want stay hydrated, take a load of, um, take a load of med, uh, Panadol. So I've, I've actually been and looked at the, the, the medicine they gave me. It was Panadol and Brufen, which <laughs> as we know now, Brufen isn't so good when you've got coronavirus. So that turned me on my head. Uh, that was the Tuesday, the Wednesday I was flogged, absolutely written off. Um, but we were still allowed to travel and the kids had been begging to go camping before it got too hot. Got up on the Thursday with a load of Panadol and that wasn't feeling too bad. Stupidly went camping. But in my defense, and a lot of people have gotten pissed off at me at this, but in my defense, it was, look, the doctors have done all the tests that they've been told to do. I'm not going to argue and say, oh, I'm Dr. Shane the dickhead here. I know everything. Um, been told I'm not viral. I'm not contagious. So look, get on with it. Suck it up. Take the kids camping before you get locked down. Off we went. Got home on the Friday, went to bed Friday night, bang, came over. Total, total game over. And that's when, in my personal, um, in my personal experience with this thing, it goes in three phases. That first, feeling like you've got a cold. The second one, feeling like, yeah, you've got a flu and you're, you're not good now. You, you're wiped out. And then it, phase three, third gear, whatever you want to call it, is when it really, really thumps you. And with that, you know, I'd barely been out of bed by the, in this stage by f five, six days. Um, I was lucky to be eating like a little mandarin and an apple per day. Um, and, you know, for a, for a pretty solid guy like I am, I should be burning through a couple of thousand calories a day. And there I was maybe consuming 100, 150 calories. 
Got the test, we went back to the clinic on the Friday night and said, look, we, we now know we've had contact with somebody who was positive. Right. Now that's, in no way does that need to be misconstrued to say it was this person we got it off. Or I, I say we, because my wife's got it as well, uh, but she's asymptomatic. Now, it could have come from us, it could have come from somebody totally different. We don't know and I'm never going to insinuate that. But knowing that this person had had it, that then meant I could go back to the clinic with these advanced symptoms and saying I'd met with somebody. We phoned them again. They said, look, wear gloves, wear the mask. We went back to the clinic. We were taken straight upstairs to a quarantine room and the doctor and the nurse, everybody was you know, fully covered in um, you know, the throwaway robes, the protective gear, so on and so forth. Yeah. The test itself is one of the most unpleasant experiences you'll ever do. I mean, the swab goes so far up your nose, it's further than you've ever stuck a digit up your nose trying to get one out. And they also swab so far down the back of your tongue, you're almost dry reaching. Wow. That, and that, they did two tests on me. So I'm laying there super, super um, uncomfortable. I, by this stage, I was laying in a ball, just in, I was in the fetal position in the, in the clinic. My wife was with me. And because she was with me, they forced her to do the test as well. And she's like, look, I'm fine. I've got no symptoms, no cough, no cold, no fever. They said, no, no, you've had contact now. We think he's got it. 24 hours later, we got the call from the health authority and said, guys, look, you're positive. Uh, we need to take you to hospital. And even with that, my stupid, stubborn self, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm pretty fit and healthy. Let me ride it out at home. I'll be okay. Yeah. The guy from the health authority was actually fantastic. And he pushed hard. And it took him another 36 hours to find me a bed. And that's when I got sent to the Medi, uh, the Parkview Medi Clinic. Amazing, amazing facility. So to give them a shout out is definitely a must. I hope that's okay. Yeah, and Sue was on lockdown at home. So there we are with, well, in a week, 10-year-old triplets trying to do schoolwork with the wife stuck upstairs, locked in bed. Me basically fighting with all I've got. So our nanny and Sue's sister, Preeti, um, uh, basically doing everything they can to do all the schoolwork, keep the kids fed, keep them occupied, so on and so forth. So, yeah, that was... So, that was man, it's just that I have so many questions. It's so insane. I want to fire them and I'll try not to waffle too much. It's really interesting because I think that no one wants to listen to my voice, mate. That, that's not why they tune into the show. They tune in to listen to interesting people like you in this case. But okay. they... I want, to, I want to try and get a gauge of the discomfort. You said there you were in a ball, in the fetal position, in this doctor's room when you were getting this test done. What, what were you actually feeling? That's a good question. Um, how do you put it into words? Every, it's really hard to put into words, but when you've had the paracetamol when you've had the medicines and even as I fast forward into being treated you go through these waves and I was running a fever of on average above 39.5 every day where when the meds had kicked in the fever would start being attacked and I'd go into these sweats of like I'd just come out of the water so I'd have to call to get my bed changed at least twice a day and it stank because I'd picked up pneumonia as well um and with the coronavirus. But how do I explain the feeling? You are in this 
deep, dark hole. Your body is just in pain from the top of your head to your toes. Everything's sensitive. Even to touch the top of my head was brutal. And you were frozen. You'd lay there shaking and you just, you did not want to be there, if that makes any sense. You can't. You 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 wanted you you so wanted to be somewhere else, anywhere else. Struggling through one of your brutal desert runs would have probably been nicer in the middle of summer. And I know how sadistic the you know the dark areas you've put you th- yourself through, and a lot of your athletes. So I've never done one of these ultras or these endurance things like you've done, but I know in in the few little races I've done, I, I've put myself into some dark places, fighting through the runs, which I always suffer with, but this was just another level. It really was. This is, uh, mate, you're, you're really strengthening the case that I have with people telling them that everyone should be doing ultra marathons because it prepares them for life and situations. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mate, you can keep talking like that. Let's, let's move on because this is one thing. When I was thinking about our chat, mate, and, and the different challenges you must have had, and you, you, you sort of said it there. You've got triplets. They're 10 years old. You're in hospital in isolation. Your wife's now at home. She's in isolation because she's been with you. You must, on top of all the pain that you're going through, you must be in this, it must just be a complete, like, like, I don't know what's going on in your head, mate, because no one can, like normally when you're sick, what I'm getting to is normally when we're sick, everyone comes in hospital, nicey-nicey, and it, it lifts us up, mate. But you're in there on your own and knowing that your three children at home and your wife's, like it must have just, your head must have been all over the shop. To be honest with you, Marcus, I kept a pretty good headspace. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really grasp the enormity of what this coronavirus is and what it does to you. Um, and I've said this to one or two others, and I don't want to sensationalize it or no. to make it sound overdramatic, but personally, I never felt within myself that I was on that proverbial edge. Um, it just felt to me like I was getting absolutely thumped, but I always sort of knew I was going to come out of the other side. Now, as, as I'm sure you know, seeing my social media, a very good friend of mine, an old business partner of mine, he passed away three days ago from it. He was a bit older. Um, he, he had a few complications, so, and he just couldn't fight it. And he also had pneumonia plus the COVID virus, and it got him. That has really come thumping down on me from a different perspective, but also I had the doctor coming in every day and she, she told me, she said, look, you are just not responding to anything. And every test we do, the results are getting worse. So for the the first four days I was in there, she said, I'm getting progressively worse and there's a good chance they're going to have to intubate me and put me into ICU. So I was on effectively a general ward. Um, for, for uh, serious corona, coronavirus patients, but it was going to escalate because my, um, you might know more about it because of your understanding of, of the anatomy and that the CRP or C-reactive protein levels for inflammation. Now they say the, the regular level or the normal level for somebody who's not really inflamed is zero to five. I was 
at my worst returned a level of 120. So that was me absolutely flogged. My O2 saturation levels were getting progressively worse. And they were taking, they were bringing an x-ray machine into the room every day, taking an x-ray of my lungs. But then they took me down for a CT scan of my lungs one day to, to see what the extent of both the coronavirus and the pneumonia I was fighting. And she came back in, the doctor, Samara, and just said, look, your lungs are 100% overtaken. Um, and what they couldn't understand was, look, here's this, here's this guy, yep, not old, not young, but relatively fit and healthy, who is totally overridden with this, but he's still quite functional and still coherent and still able to, to maintain the basics of existence where a lot of these other patients who weren't, you know, once their, their um, oxygen saturation levels were going down, you know, that's, that's, that's starts getting pretty extreme. What, how did the, how did that progress mate on a, on a pain level? Like, did you, was your pain massively increasing? I, I remember when I saw your video, like you couldn't talk very easily and it was obviously, a lot of inflammation within within sort of the windpipes and stuff coughing maybe talk us through that because i think that's quite interesting as well because we talk about all these different levels and and the way it's kind of suffocating and therefore like doing what you just said literally killing people like that what how did that pan out for you so once to, to go back to uh, something i'd mentioned earlier about the the, the three phases or the three stages. Stage one was just the, the little cough. Stage two was just the body ache and the pains. And I, I hadn't developed anything in my chest yet. So it hadn't, this coronavirus really hadn't taken, taken over my lungs. And then as the last sort of day at home was when I really started getting this hacking cough and uh, the lack of air and then into, into the hospitals when it really took hold of me. So, as you could see from the video, I was struggling to breathe, even to talk at a very basic level. It, and that's part of that deep black hole I talk about is you have to try and sleep sitting up because of all the gunk that's on your lungs. You can't really lay back and let it stay there. So I was trying to find a position where to sleep and any slight movement would send you off into coughing fits and this, this lack of air where you're just really fighting for it and you don't want to move. And then, you know, I was sleeping under three blankets. So going through those phases of the medicine as well, I'd go from boiling hot to freezing cold, so any movement. So I had to structure my days around the, medis the medicines being delivered. Um, and then I had that three-hour window. Now, take into, into this that I was probably seven days where I might have consumed 1,500 calories, maybe 2,000 calories as well. So I was just sort of laying there with, I just couldn't, couldn't eat. And it was the sweet fruits. So I'd, I'd order like a tiny takeaway cup of fruit salad. And that was my whole thing for the day. And then I just woke up one day and said, you know, I just feel like white bread and jam. It was just sugar. And I knew that first day I had about three bits of melon, a piece of kiwi and two bits of orange. And the orange was too sour and half a slice of bread with jam. And that was the most I'd eaten in, in probably five days. The next day I had a full slice of bread and jam and a bigger part of the fruit salad. So yeah, it's pretty. I, I guess mate, that obviously that has a massive impact on, on your recovery as well. And on, on the body sort of healing itself because you're, you're just not having any 
any food to, to boost the immune system. Talk to us a little bit about the, the medication that they give you and did it make you feel better? Did it make you feel worse? Like you, you talk about that cycle that you went through, the daily cycle, but what did you, because often when you're in hospital, like when they come to give you medication, you're like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to feel better after this. But I've heard different things about this disease. Like the relief is not really, because there's no real way to treat it. There's no, let's see it. It's got to ride its course. So I was given, oh, what are they called? I can't even think of the name now. You might be able to, we've seen it all been Donald Trump to British prime minister and all that have all spoken about the the product, the antiviral. So I was on the antiviral. I was on the antibiotics for my lungs. Um, thousand milligrams of paracetamol every eight hours, IV vitamin C and a load of fluids. And that was a big bag of fluids. However big that was, that was also thrown into me. I was on a nebulizer, which was just a little mask and that was every few hours and there was three different types of that and one of them uh it was chemical it, it i really did not like that one um one of them was like sulfur if you've ever smelt the air in new zealand or other places with volcanic activity it's stank and i stick this thing over your head i was like shit this is bad and then the second one was this other one which was like this chemical it wasn't pleasant. Um, I know exactly what you mean. I had the same, I had the same, not exactly the same, but a very similar thing when I, when I uh, crushed my lung because there was all this, like my, my windpipes were full of blood where the blood had come up from the lung and I had a nebulizer on it. I've actually, it was funny, mate, because I, I thought when I got home, I had to have a nebulizer at home and I yeah. was, oh, shit. I, I think I thought after like a year, I was like, I'm never going to need this nebulizer again. And the other day I was sorting something out. I was like, oh, I've still got this nebulizer. <laughs> Damn, jackpot right there. That's the jackpot. But it, it, you it, know, it's, um, yeah, go ahead, go, go. Weird, it's a weird taste in your mouth to try and clear out all the blockages in, in, in your lungs. It's, it's, it's disgusting, right? It is. And, you know, the doctors and the nurses, um, one of the nurses would come in and she'd give me um, a bit of a back wouldn't say back pat, but it wasn't a thump. And she sort of hit the sides of my ribs, hit my chest, just to try and loosen up what's going on in the lungs. But back to the meds, I was also getting a vitamin D shot every day in my hip, in my bum. Wow. Uh, what else were they giving me? Uh, something else. So but to be honest, you didn't, the only thing I felt was just that breakdown in the fever yeah. stronghold on me from the paracetamol. And that's when I would, Okay, look, I know I've just been, I've had this bag of, bag of goodies. Yeah. About 30 minutes, I'm going to start the sweats. So get ready for that. And then we can call, change the bed, get up, shower, get things done, speak to people. And then it was like, I'm cooked. I'm wiped out. Crash out again for three hours, two hours. Wow. Then you just went, look, I know I'm about to go dark. So I've got another two or three hours of just ride it out so they can give you the meds again. Before I want to move into the recovery and the good news, but also want to, like you said, dwell a little bit on the seriousness of it. When you were coughing, when you felt it in the lungs, was there a point where you're like, this, I'm going to suffocate from this thing. 
Like, did you? Yeah, it, it really held you down. I, I'd, I'd liken it to, you know, I grew up surfing and I still surf a lot when I can here. I'd liken it to a really long hold down where you're absolutely bricking it in, in surf when, you, when you're uncomfortable and you're getting absolutely thumped. You just, <coughs> you're like a, you know, like a wounded dog trying to get air in or, you know, something like that. So my lungs were cooked from that. Um, and it does scare you because the air's just not there. And then you're trying to talk to somebody and it's like, <laughs> and I remember it, my grandfather passed away some years ago now and he, he was a smoker. He was a heavy smoker, but he died of asbestosis and emphysema. Right. And I remember hearing him the last sort of three to six months of the phone calls with him. And I listened back to, um, couple of voice messages I'd sent to my friend who passed away the other day, listening to each of us talk to each other. And it just brought me straight back to the phone calls I'd had with my granddad all those years before of um, how he sounded just struggling to get the air in. And it was like, shit, it, it, it really rung some bells in my head to say, you were a lot worse off than, than I sort of thought. And that's going back to the question you asked about my headspace. It was, I think like you, Oh, personally, I'm probably too stupid to let myself get into a bad headspace in this instance. Um, as a business owner, I, I struggle in a lot of other ways with stresses and pressures from running a business. And times, I, I think you could probably resonate with this, is times when you have to make decisions with, with staffing and personnel that go against every ounce of humanity, then I battle with that in my head and it really puts me... In a, in, a, in a bad place personally. And it's a case of, look, Shane, get your head out your ass, get out of bed, stop moping. And a lot of the time now, my wife will just basically just tell me to get up, go for a swim, go for a run, go for a ride. And it fixes everything. It, it, you're endorphins again, you get up. And it's like, Shane, just be pragmatic about this. Grow up. You've got to do this. This is why you've got to do it. So, yeah. Is that... Was that something that you were able to bring in to sort of your recovery as well, mate? That sporting aspect, like, must be must be huge. Like, you know, you 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 talk it down, mate. But I've seen you. You spent a lot of time on your bike, and that's no, you know, you'll you go out on your ride five six hours. You've done triathlons, short ones, long ones. Like, you know, that experience and that mental toughness and resilience that you've built there must have you must have really felt it come into play here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The body, and, you know, just before I went in, before I got sick, I'd had an amazing week. I'd had, with the lockdown, we had more time to train. So I'd been out on the bike with um, with David LaBouchere and a few of the, the Optimal crew who were strong, strong riders, you know, Taff and Tommy and Edith. I think Billy was with us. And, you know, on a good day, you know, I could barely keep up with him. And we did two hours of intervals over about, I think it was about 65, 70K. And I mean, I was blowing out my ass, but I just felt good. I felt strong. And then on the Friday morning, I'd gone out for a swim with David again. We did a nice big 5K swim all the way out around Burj Al Arab, come back in. And, you know, I was in a clear head space, clear body space. A week later, bang, just wiped out. Um, but it, it sort of, once I started getting a little bit of air back in, I... I started just moving around the room. It was just, it wasn't even a shame. You've got to walk for 10 minutes now. 
I just started doing it. It just came natural. And sort of 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I've just been walking around this, you know, 15 square meter or however big the room was for the last 15 minutes. And then, then I started doing push-ups and oh, things like that. It, yeah, I got, I got in shit for that as well. I did a little time-lapse video. I did a load of squats and push-ups, still with a cannula in my hand. Um, and it, doing that, it was sort of a thought, made me think about you. And there's an Aussie guy called Paul DeGelder who I picked up his book. He was, a, he was a Navy diver and he got attacked by a shark in Sydney Harbour doing a Navy dive for a lot of the, um, the senior military staff and he lost his arm and his leg. Yeah. And a lot of his resilience and mental fortitude and his training, you know, he was this, this guy that just was always go, go, go. He's like you, you know, but he energized a bunny. Yeah. And I remember reading the book how he was 10 days after having his, his arm and leg amputated He's doing one-arm pull-ups in the hospital bed and getting absolutely bollocked because he's popping his stitches and blood vessels everywhere. So I was like, look, all you've had is a bloody little coffee. Get on with it. So I started doing a couple of push-ups and that. And then one morning I got up and thought, you know what, bollocks to this. I'm going to have a run or a wobble. I call my runs a wobble because, as you know, I'm shit at running. Always have been, always will. But, you know, I'll get it finished and it won't be pretty. And so I did... I did 15 minutes just at a slow pace around the room. Just, no. I, I think I, I worked it out. It was about a, a 13 meter loop for about 15 minutes. So it was, I think I worked, I think it was just on a kilometer I did running around the room and the nurse come in I know the doctor come in and she, no, 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 you can't do this. No, I got to get, I got to get the blood flowing. I'm not breathing heavy. I'm just cruising. So. What, uh, what, what day was that, mate? Like, it, it's quite cool. We're into a really nice part now where you're actually recovering and starting to feel good. How many days from the day that you sort of checked into Parkview Mediclinic to doing the push-ups in the room are we talking here? Seven, day seven, I think it was. Wow, so you're literally just six days just out of it. Just that cycle, hours, bang, medication, losing your mind, blankets, showers. Wow. I still remember waking up. It was the sixth day I woke up and I messaged um, messaged one or two people and said, you know, I think I've just broken the fever because I'd, I'd managed to sleep about four hours through the night. Wow. Um, because they, they would come in and they, you know, they take your, um, what do they call them? Your your vitals so the vitals and whatever meds they'd give me at i think it was about mine was about 11 o'clock at night and they put me on the nebulizer and then they'd normally be back in uh around 5 to 5 30 in the morning which was the injection in the ass the chest x-ray they were taking blood every morning so that was sort of my wake up anyway so um Day six was when I'd said, okay, but that was realistically day 12, day 13 of the whole, of the whole cycle. How many more days were you still in hospital for after that, mate? Uh, nine, nine nights, I think, in total. Wow. So and as, as I started, or well, as the doctors started to see improvements in uh, my reaction to the meds, or I don't even know if it was that, or it's just my body fighting back from it, or this... Marcus, this thing's a mechanical beast. And 
this comes with no scientific, no rumours from doctors. This, this is just purely my perspective that I honestly think this thing's been engineered. It, it's just so mechanical that it seems so many cases are just two weeks, 12 to 15 days, give or take. And the three phases that you go through, it's so similar for people. So when I'd started showing signs of improvement, they were doing, they started doing the swab tests again in the nose and I had to return three consecutive negative tests, each spaced out by 24 hours before I could be released. And with that, of course, there's an urgency for me to do that, to free up a bed space. Yeah. Yeah. As as we know that the cases globally are still multiplying. So, um, that was that was that but then i'd returned the third test but that was late in the afternoon early evening and through all the paperwork procedures internally through uh insurance providers and the government they couldn't get it all done finalized before the 8 p.m curfew so i ended up having another night in the hospital by nine get one free Well, to be honest with you, and you know, and my wife's going to kick my ass for this, but um, there's something beautiful about solitude in a hospital or a hotel room. It, and you know, like yourself, you're always on the go. And don't get me wrong, you know, I live a very privileged life here. You know, I've got three active, healthy kids. You know, you said I, I coach Edward, your nephew's rugby team. Well, I'm one of the coaches, which is great. So that's a Friday morning. Most Saturdays, I'm on the bike. Throughout the week, I'm on the bike, swimming, trying to run. I run two of my own businesses, so I'm on a plane two or three times a week. I'm in and out. It's, it's just go, go, go. So in a lot of ways, this thing, as shit as it was, was also a, a blessing in some ways for me to take the foot off the gas. And for about five or six years now, um, I've had hypertension, high blood pressure, and really taken a an approach of trying to get my life in order. You know, for many years I lived very self-destructive and I was just shit, you know, drinking too much, eating crap, lazy, whatever, blaming everything and a bad headspace. I straightened everything up and I still had the high blood pressure. So I also had high, um, what's it called? Cortisol levels, which for so many people, they can never find a medical reason. So I'm going to say it's, it's just my way of dealing with stress, which is, kind of shit in a lot of ways, but hey, you know, some, some deal with it differently. So in the last two weeks, I've not had my blood pressure, three weeks even, I've not had my blood pressure medicines once, and my blood pressure has been spot on, 120 over 80, which is, I guess I'm just not facing the daily pressures of work. Um, we've got some sort of financial comfort with us, with the businesses, um, and that means I that all of my staff are facing very little or minimal financial disruptions and still got job security all the way through. We're sort of looking September, October to be able to keep paying them at the moment. Um, so it, it's sort of, it's let me live, live in a bit of a, a good headspace as well. It's, it's strange, mate, like that, like that's a massive positive and, and I, I, I love to sort of get some more of those as, as we go here, but it's almost, I feel like maybe you're starting to feel like it's been a cleansing in a way, like God knows you don't want to go back there, but 
it seems like your perspective on a few things is a bit different. And I'm hearing this from a lot of people that have not had the virus, but are just at home that they feel less stressed. They feel more present. They, you know, so then, then we start to open up to all these crazy conspiracies that are starting obviously to float around, but it's, it is weird. Like how you framed it there. You see, you seem like totally chill. I mean, you're relaxed anyway, mate. That I think that's your nature, but you're just, it's just cool. And it's like, one of those things that happens. Yeah, Marcus, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of us needed a reset. Yeah. We, we did, you know, with, with this, this perpetual connectivity of life that we live with social media, with telephones and things just getting faster. Yeah. People expecting everything in the, the here and now. As a human race, as a human, are we going to go back to our old ways? I hope not, but I think the reality is, is we've all got to pick up the millions of tiny pieces because all of our lives financially and otherwise have been shattered at the moment. Um, Is it sustainable for us to take a a bit of a back seat? I'm loving it. You know, I'm being home with my kids. I'm, I'm going through, you know, as I said, my wife, Sue, she's, um, she's still stuck in lockdown in a hotel on the Palm. So I'm trying to keep up with a few inquiries we've got with work and that side of things, but I'm also doing all the schoolwork with the kids and, and seeing them learning and being with them over their shoulder, the, the little frustrations they face, trying to understand fractions and decimals or in their literacy, but also seeing the remarks they're getting back from their teachers saying, great work, well done. You know, my little fella, his teacher, Mr. Hall at DES, a great teacher, a Welsh guy, um, asked them to pr- try and pronounce that Welsh town with about... 700 L's and Y's in it and they had to record it and the little fella did well and this teacher said well done so there is a lot of positives to take out of this negative definitely you know cooking a lot eating a lot um I don't have to get up at the crack of not even the crack of dawn anymore to go train you know I can get out on you know I'm sort of getting shit for that as well I did a I did a triathlon around the garden the other day at 3 30 in the afternoon when can you do that in Dubai I saw that and I'm like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what the naysayers have got to say about that because, mate, I want to jump to that as well. Your story has become a nationwide and obviously you're an Australian, so it's become quite big in Australia as well. You must, I mean, how does that feel, mate? You've become famous for having coronavirus. Like, it must be famous, famous for being a fool. Um, I don't know. I'm just rolling with it, mate. It was... Like I'd said early on, I'd made that Facebook post more out of frustration and concern for some friends and family here, Oz in the UK, who just, I think all of us, until we knew somebody that had it and they, they put it into context, we all were just sort of rolling with the punches and going, oh, this lockdown's a load of bollocks, whatever. So that, that first Facebook videos had something like 40,000 views officially. Uh, speaking to another mate of mine, he was saying it's gone around um, Instagram chats, uh, WhatsApp chats and stuff like that. Just before I spoke to you now, I've just had, I had by health authority calling me saying, look, they've, they want a permission to use some of my social media stuff on their platforms. And then they said, can they share my details with the Dubai government media office who did a, a five, 10 minute, video conferencing call to go on Dubai one. Um, in some ways it, it's, 
I think it's okay that, yeah, I'm, I'm this, this poster boy of the virus. If, if I can portray an image to people to say, look, here's a guy that lived a destructive rock and roll lifestyle for many years. And I mean, take from that as you will, let's not go into details, but also someone that has turned their life around both physically and mentally from having my head in a ditch and so far up my own ass and coming home just so pissed off with, you know, you'd fight traffic. And when I was living out in Murdiff, I'd leave work and I'd be frustrated with companies not paying or this and that. And it just manifested in my mind. It's like, Shane, grow up, move down near the beach. And, you know, I sort of, I changed gears and started living a lot cleaner lifestyle, a lot healthier, enjoying the training and all that brings with it. You know, it was, if, that can inspire another person to get up off the sofa to put down that glass of wine or that beer or that burger, then, you know, great. I'll, I'll proudly take that title. Um, and if it does help people who are also scared as hell of this bastard virus, you know, give them my number. If somebody says, Hey, can I contact this guy? I'm happy to talk them through it and say, this is what you're going to face through these phases of this thing. It's, and, and also I've, been reaching out to the doctors and asking because we know now that there's there's enough medical proof to say if I can donate my my plasma or blood donations that I should have um what's it called I've got some sort of immunity and to give platelets for people that are in ICU I'll drive down there now and, and go donate yeah. you know it's yeah it's um it, no, mate. It, it's there's a lot of positive. I, I think it's amazing what you've done, mate. I think, yeah, like you said, you just started it via Facebook video for sort of family and friends. And to be honest, that's that's where I picked up, mate. Someone forwarded it to our ultra group, and I'm like, "What? I'm looking at it, and it's you." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" You know? It doesn't look so good. They're like literally riding two weeks ago, having a coffee together, and I'm like, "Yeah, exactly." Oh my god! And then I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to annoy him." And but yeah, then we started chatting and I'm like, wow, it's, it's like, I think, and that's the biggest thing, mate. And the thing that I think is the strongest in your message, I think there's two massively strong things. One is like, guys, you've got to take this seriously. Like it took you from like, you know, okay, you're a decent athlete, mate. You get out, you get it done. A fit and healthy guy. It took you in this hole, you know, and, 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 and it's just, so many people are not taking it seriously and protesting. I mean, Easter weekend in the UK and pricks are drinking beer in the park. It's like, okay, you've got the rest of your life to drink a beer in the park, mate. Like I know that, you know, the chance of you getting it is not huge, but we, we're, we're actually, it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. And I know when I was in hospital, there was a seven year old kid in there fighting. So you've got to think how, scared confused they would be but also their parents hearing about these cases now statistically uh kids under the age of 10 or 12 and then even as you go into teenage years and young or later teens young adults statistically they're very very low numbers of cases yeah. it's it's definitely not just an old parent and old people's concern of course as you get older and you, your body starts deteriorating, yeah, you look at the numbers of deaths and the numbers of severe cases of these, these people fighting it. Yeah, those, those statistics are adding up. But, you know, there's my, I've got a few family members, two of my brothers and my mum are all in the airline industry and they sent um, 
They sent a news article yesterday, the day before, from the States of a 27-year-old flight attendant who had it, but had been hospitalized, getting all the treatment possible. Game over. Guy passed away. So it doesn't discriminate. You could be an ultra-endurance athlete like yourself and just... And they say some people who are training a lot, who've got a high training load, and you know you do have that increased stress on your body, there are potentials that you um, you could have a compromised immunity. Absolutely. Hopefully you don't, but it's something you've just got to say. Let's suffer this thing. Let's take three months to learn to cook that dish you wanted to do, to learn French or German or Welsh. Spend more time with your kids. Learn what your kids do at school, you know? Mate, do that. Like from, from the medical side, obviously you said it's great medical care and attention, but we're obviously from the outside, we're looking in and going, yeah, this is bad. But you have a different perspective on it, having been on hospital side, feeling it in your body, seeing how it's treated, people around you with hazmat suits on maybe the longevity of this thing and, 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 and the actual scale of it as well. Because sat at home, we read the news. We're not on the front line. We, we don't see it. So maybe a little insight into that side of, of this virus. That's the scary thing. Nobody can give us an answer. You know, and it's, um, that leads me back to my own little personal, you know, theory on this thing. And again, I don't want to start any conspiracy theories or any of that other hoo-ha. But it's, there's been no... Nobody's claimed this thing. They're saying, oh, yeah, some, some fool eating a bat or some bollocks. I don't believe that for one second. So I, I don't know, Marcus. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss to explain it. And it's just gradually going on. Cases are increasing. Some are decreasing. Four or five weeks ago, Japan had come out and said most of their cases had been contained. They were decreasing. They were getting down to numbers. I've seen something pop up from BBC or one of the news things that pops up on my phone. Japan have just had record numbers of increased cases over the last four days. So it's just gone full circle. What, what is going on with this thing? American cases are still increasing. The UK are increasing. Other countries are decreasing. They were saying, oh, let's get into April here in a lot of uh, Northern Hemisphere countries. Once the weather starts warming up, the, uh, the virus can't survive over 25 degrees. Yet Thailand and, and you know, these, these tropical places are getting thumped with it. UAE is pushing out 35 degrees every day. Still got increasing numbers. So there's no answers at the moment because it's so new. Is it, is it from this dude eating a bat? Or is it, has it been made in this lab in, in Wuhan as a, as, a weapon of, as a weapon of war and it's got now? I, I don't know and I don't want to you know, create any hype or any bullshit. So please forgive me, anybody that's listening. But <laughs> you've got to ask a question of both sides of this thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I, and I think as the further it goes on, I, mate, I, I read a lot and I listen to a lot of different stuff and I don't know if you'd call it conspiracies or, or just facts, you know, and the, the mortality rate of, you know, everyone tanking their economy versus the mortality rate of the disease. And then you look at these different models, like the one that you spoke about, Japan, su suppressed the virus like everyone's doing, like we're doing here in the UAE. But then when they started letting people out again, they, the, the virus starts to explode again. So it's like, okay, so that doesn't really work. And then Korea have a really high testing rate. So their, yeah. their ratio of tests per, per, 
per capita is super high and they've managed to keep it. And then, you know, and then the Wuhan is supposed to be opened back up again, but, yeah, believe um, that. but no one wants to go out, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's, I think time will tell, mate. I think, you know, we, we, like you said, you have to almost make a, you have to make a peace with it. You have to just stay cool in your own headspace. And some people can do that. You did that super well. And, some people can't, but it's going to be with us for a while. And, you know, I think you're just a great case of how, how to fight the little bastard, mate. It's, it's been, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a game changer, mate. It's definitely a game changer. And, you know, the thing is, is we have the flu season every year. Yeah. What happens next year? Do we have the flu season and the Corona season? Now, are they going to come up with, a, with, with antivirals that we, how many of these anti-vaxxers, are going to sit there and take their chance of not vaccinating if, if they've got a proven vaccine. Um, there's still a thousand questions we can ask about this thing and 99% of them are not going to be able to be answered until the, the, the doctors and the scientists and everybody else have a full understanding and a grasp on this bastard. But they, so, it, that's what's interesting as well is that they, it's so funny, one of my mates said to me the other day, they can, they can figure out so much shit but no one seems to be able to figure this out yet. And it's like, yeah. But then you go back to what we were talking about before, a million and one different conspiracies, mate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, um, time will tell, mate. And I think more than anything is, look, we just have to embrace the situation we're in. It's not the best. Um, I know you love the word normal. Back to normality and living a normal life. I... You know, I, I, I see all your, all your social media posts. Um, but I think once we do get back to reality, yeah. we, we, people, let's, let's embrace this bastard thing. We, we've got time off that we're always pissing and moaning about we never have. Exactly. So, you know, you might not be able to get a turbo trainer for a bike or a rowing machine if that one blows your skirt up. Fuck, man, get on YouTube and you want to learn to dance, salsa, tango, just, in, I can't get over people just so frustrated and pissed off about being locked down or, yeah, I would love to be able to go sit down on the beach, go for a swim, go for a surf, go for a ride out around al Qudra or get out into the hills or jump on a plane and go surfing in Sri Lanka. That was, that was the plan. I can't. That's the reality of it. Look, I've still got three beautiful children. I've got my wife, my beautiful wife. I've now got my health back. I've battled through it. Hopefully I can help a few other people through it just from a, a mental perspective. But the other thing is, is just gain from it, gain from every experience, you know, that's. Is that, mate, I, I'm obviously conscious of the time. If, if, if we could sort of, what's your biggest learning from this? Like what is, is that your sort of, sort of thing? Just life's actually not too bad, crack on. Like, or is there something, you know, I know you've shared so much, mate, and maybe, maybe we just go over what, but if, if we could say like, what's the biggest thing you take away from that nine days in the beautiful Parkview? <laughs> Parkview Suites. Everything I think. What, what is it? I think the biggest learning is time and I, I've got to find ways personally to, to get some time back, to not be so absorbed by work. You know, we all have to work to pay the bills, but you know, like I said, I, I had a, a good friend pass away the other day, their time was cut short. So time and your health 
your health is everything. And this, and I know you're a massive proponent of it. This, this world of ours, especially in this third, first world society we live in is so inundated and overrun with, with fast food and packaged food and just shit, sugar, refined, refined flours and processed crap. And, you know, we've got a massive big order in from Kipson's and I've been every day making breakfast, lunch and dinner for the kids, loads of fruit, loads of vegetables, just enjoying it, you know, doing oats with the kids. And now we get up in the morning before they start their school thing. We go outside, we, we, we bounce around on the steps, up and down, just to get the blood flowing, open up the hips, walk around. Just health, man, your health. Take, you don't have your health, you don't have anything. That's, You're a legend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a link in the show notes to, to that video you put up. It's, man, it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch, I'll, I'll be honest. And I watched the, the ones you did. Even the one when actually when you were leaving the hospital, mate, I felt like... I was like, oh, wow. Like, because I, I remember when I left the hospital and like, you know, it's, it's a weird feeling, but I watched that and I was like, wow, this has been, I felt like I was with you the whole way, mate. It was, uh, it was yeah. fun. I appreciate that. I really do. Really do. It's, um, it's definitely, uh, it's been interesting, shall I say, an interesting few weeks and uh, I, I don't ever want to experience that again. No way. No way. No, I'm going to put my parents through it either. You know, Sue, Sue was strong the whole way through it. And, you know, I think deep down she, she knew that I'd, I'd come out the other side. I'd be one of the lucky ones, but um, no, it was, it was nasty. So stay healthy. Absolute legend. Thank you, mate, for your time. And thanks a lot for what you're doing as well, mate. You are creating, you are the poster boy of coronavirus and <laughs> whether you like it or not, mate, it's, but you're making such a positive out of it, mate. And I think that's testament to, to, to who you are and, and that headspace that you're talking about. So, mate, absolute legend. I mean, a lot of it comes from the inspiration of guys like yourself and loads of others in this, this active community that we're lucky to be a part of. So, you know, a big thank you to you and, and your team and what you've created with your wife as well, you know, really pushing for, for healthy foods and you know, the tried to buy community, which I'm a part of, but you know, there's a much broader spectrum of, of active lifestyles here. You know, there's people hiking, kayaking, running, rowing, whatever it is, you know, looking at, at you know, Luke Matthews and what he went through and his team, David Labouchere and his team. And I, I mentioned them only because I'm actively involved with them. I know there's my tri club and Matt Dewhurst and his team of guys there's probably 20 other triathlon clubs and health and fitness clubs I could try and name, but what they're continually doing just with their support, not just physically, but they offer a lot of mental support for a lot of people. And that is, is amazing. That, you know, is, we should all be eternally thankful to those people that are, that are really pushing it and helping people as well. So thank you to you guys. Legend, thank you so much, mate. Enjoy the time with the kids, mate. You've given us so much of your time, so much useful stuff there. And mate, oh, pleasure, bud. Thanks for thanks for putting me on the show. It's an honour. It really is. Awesome. I'll well, see you for a coffee soon, hopefully. <laughs> mate, yeah, up at Zads. There we go. Yeah, then. Last mate, it's it's not a very good track record. Go for a ride at Zads two weeks later. I find you in hospital. <laughs> Let's be careful. Oh, yeah, there's you, myself, Nick Watson, and there's another huge shout out as well, which I uh, 
we, we've, we've got to give credit to is Nick Watson and yeah. what he's doing with Team Angel Wolf. So, um, an urban swim academy with all their swim stuff that they're still helping us with. So, anyway, mate, Good stay stuff. safe. Stay Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah. On the show. Thank you, mate. Cheers, bro. Yeah.